evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater, the largest single-screen drive-in in the United States. We're certainly glad you could be with us this evening. And don't forget the concession stand is open with all kinds of great things to eat and drink. Eighty-nine point three Mahoning Drive-In Radio. Your old friend Virgil here uh, with my co-host and general manager extraordinaire Mark. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. Hey, coming to you guys uh, with a video podcast. As you guys know, the only podcast dedicated to the love and revival of our beloved drive-in culture. And today you get to see kind of behind the scenes. We are literally in the projection booth, flies and all. <laughs> so it's like, as we record this, and in case you're listening to the audio version of this, forget we said anything about video. There's really nothing to see here. Uh, it's October 26th as we record this, and there are still flies and it they was will so, not go away. It, it was so nice last night here for uh, the Tuesday night, the last television Tuesday show we did, uh, that a lot of us were in t-shirts for the majority of the night. So this is this bizarre late warming period. 65 degrees here on the lot, which is weird that we're going to have a Halloween that is not cold. That's a rarity. A no, rarity. considering what the last few weeks were like here, where it was freezing outside. Yeah. Uh, but we got a fun little episode for you guys. Um, we were a bit inspired from this last week's um, event. As you guys may know, we welcomed the Joe Bob's um, last drive-in crew, I should say, uh, back to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. And we had uh, Johnny Brennan, we had Yuki, we had Ernie, we had the whole production crew here. Uh, it was incredible, but we broke new ground, didn't we, Mark? We uh, now have the thanks to Dave Wirt. Uh, I always want to say thanks to Dave, but as we know here, Dave, which Dave? Oh, Dave W. Which Dave W? The cool Dave W. Which Dave <laughs> W? So we just cut to the chase. Dave Wirt uh, utilized some skills he brought from his own uh, extracurricular, or it's not extracurricular. I think it's like his real job. If that's actually what makes you money, it's not extracurricular. <laughs> it's his main job. Uh, so video conferencing technology. So we were able to get people from the DJ booth live on the big screen, uh, video and audio, which was kind of cool. So that inspired us to try to do this. Yeah. Which is not actually done in any way the way we did what we just talked about. Yeah. This is just straight into a laptop. Anyway. Right. But still, it's one of those things. They are launching a podcast, Yuki and Johnny. Uh, I think they're calling it the Patreon Buffet. Something like Something that. Something like John and Yuki or Yuki and John's Patreon Buffet. And if that podcast is anything like what we saw here, that is must listening because it was hilarious and fascinating. It was awesome. And they brought a fun video element to things. And uh, like Mark said, we were able to put it up on the big screen. So uh, we figured, hey, let's try this out, see how this goes as far as a new potential uh, dish for folks. So I don't know if you're going to want to see our faces or not, but it's nice to know that uh, we are actually live inside of the projection booth. Um, you can see kind of the wear in our faces at the end of the season. And uh, yeah, we can jump into some uh, questions that you guys sent in as well as uh, kind of promote what we do in the off season. So strange to think that we only have uh, what, three more shows left? It's Four, if you count the Patreon show. Yeah, as we record, this will be a Patreon, a Patreon triple feature tomorrow night, which we usually just do single features, but due to the proliferation of prints that we have, yeah. 
<laughs> some of which literally are like, if you don't show these in four or five weeks, nobody's going to be able to play these. So we decided, eh, what the hell, we'll make it a triple feature. So we're going to welcome our, our top tier Simplex Patreon members out tomorrow night for a triple feature. Uh, Val has made, she, well, she has acquired some very, very interesting themed food items that we'll be having. We'll put pictures of those up. And uh, after that, it's just three more nights with the public here. So it's, uh, it's crazy. I, I like it. it uh, <laughs> I want it to keep going. This year, more than any other year, felt like it did blow by. And, you know, we didn't hit that wall like we did with the Jamboree last year. Where it was like, oh, let this be done. You know, like we overworked ourselves. Let us have a break. Um, I think everybody's still rocking and rolling and doing their thing the best that they can. So. Uh, but yeah, hopefully we see you guys out for uh, these last couple shows. And if not, we're going to give you a reason to jump over to the Patreon and keep your finger on the pulse because we got some stuff coming for 2023. We do. Uh, Patreon is multiple levels. Sorry. <laughs> it's not that the man smells. Co-host. Flies. I'm waiting for the fly to land on the to land right on the on the camera. And again, if you're listening to an audio version That'll of this, be perfect. If you're listening to audio, just pay no attention to any any references we make to visual. Nothing interesting going on here visually. Uh, just our two shining faces in a projector in the background. So for Patreon in the off season, we do for the top tier members these uh, virtual shows, and we, and we occasionally throw it uh, one to all of the members too, where we get a film from the Agfa Library or for some some licensed film. And we play them through Zoom and everybody can chat along and we have guests come on via video and, and give prizes away and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So that'll keep going and uh, more podcasts, more exclusives, more fun. Basically, the Patreon is a way to feel like you, we never close yeah, for us and for the members and to share a lot of stuff that we acquire over the course of the year. We have so much audio and video that we record every weekend that we can't put out through the, ma the major, what do you call it? Our, our, yeah, our without coming off annoying at least. Yeah, exactly. And like, you don't want to see endless pictures of the same show all the time, but on, on Patreon, we can do that. And then cool stuff, like literally, like we're sitting at Jeff's desk right now. He was cleaning out his desk a week ago. We didn't fire him. He was just literally cleaning his desk <laughs> out. And he found old rain checks and old uh, roll of 10 cent tickets for this place. When was this place ever 10 cents? Yeah. If it was even for this place. So we share all kinds of weird stuff on Patreon. So we're going to keep that uh, going and keep that fun. One of the things we do on Patreon is we do exclusive podcasts once a month at least, or we try to. And we put it out to our members. Uh, send us questions. Give us topics. What do you want us to talk about? And we did one of those recently, but the questions kept coming in. So the, the foundation for this session right now is answering more of these Patreon uh, member submitted questions. That was a really fun episode, by the way. Um, I feel like the Patreon episodes are very loose goose, you know, we're, we're truly talking to um, our inner circle, you know, where uh, going out to the world and literally the world at this point. Um, and I guess it's a good point to say we are so honored um, and uh, blessed that you guys have made the pilgrimage out here and given this podcast so much love. It is not lost on us. Every single time somebody comes up and says, uh, I love the podcast. I listen to it on my way in. Keep doing the podcast. Bring this person on. Um, it's really, really inspiring because we know a lot of people can't get to the Mahoning. And when we started this thing, um, the idea was to try to give people a dose, even if they can't make the journey out here because the preservation of what we're doing, it's way bigger than, you know, the Mahoning and the local drive-in. So um, you can really support this effort of keeping the drive-in alive and the culture alive anywhere that you are. So, and take the lifestyle into your heart, which is uh, 
It's hard to let go in the off season, and we don't have to because we got the Patreon. I'm not saying that a large part of me wanting to do this Patreon was to not let go in the off season. <laughs> I mean, part of it was a revenue stream for the theater when we're closed, which we never had before. So you have, you know, whatever money's left at the end of the year when you need to open, that's all you got. With Patreon, it's an income stream in the off season that lets us do things and prepare and build, which we greatly appreciate. Yeah. Uh, speaking of getting love for the podcast, I don't know if I mentioned this on one of the shows or not. I'm walking across the lot several weeks ago when we're open and people are all sitting outside doing what they do. And usually we try to be adamant that you listen to our radio station when you're here, partly because uh, we're very, very vain about the music we play. <laughs> listen to my taste, except yes. my super fuzz theme. But part of it too is uh, if we have information we want to get out, we want people to hear it. And we don't want there to be like a cacophony of different competing audio that just causes aural chaos for people. Somebody broke that rule as I was walking across the lot to go to the to the check on the gate. And I heard my own voice coming out of the back of somebody's van. Nice. And I'm like, was I kidnapped and didn't know it? <laughs> and what it was was that they were listening to one of our podcast episodes. And it was so weird, but kind of wonderful at the same time. Yeah. So it is cool to know that people listen to these. It lives things. out there in the world, you know? And it, we do get it. I mean, this, the story of the Mahoning is inspiring and... Um, uh, widening that reach was the whole point of the Patreon and this podcast. And it seems to be working really well as far as uh, tapping into folks who really love uh, what the drive-in is and what the Mahoning represents. So, it's so weird to be in the same spot when we record this. Show. I have a ha I have a habit of just looking at you through the the mic is you know that's kind of what i normally do it's, it's just, we're, we're almost always separate virgil's like here or in the trailer or at home and i'm always at home when i do this so this is just bizarre it's kind of cool actually yeah to, well to tell me. them why you're in town i mean we have the extended week so you're you're in for the whole week yeah well see i live two and a half hours away so <laughs> usually at the end of a weekend i'll go home i don't see a lot of the tuesday night shows because if I've been here through Sunday, I'm driving home on Monday. I'm barely home on Monday before I drive two and a half hours back on Tuesday to drive two and a half hours back on Tuesday night make to drive back. It was insane. For this week, we had a Tuesday show, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It didn't make sense to be away. So Val and I are here staying locally. Uh, we got in yesterday, Tuesday. What day is it is the most common question I ask when we're <laughs> open. Um, and then, so we're here for the week. So I was, I said to Virgil, like, I'm in town. Let's, let's record a show together. This is kind of cool. Do one with video, do one in the booth, which was always the idea that we would do this here. Yeah. If you notice a kachunk sound every once in a while, that's the time clock that does that once every minute. So just yes. so you know, somebody is not like chopping on the block, sharpening up that meat cleaver for this weekend. It's, 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 yeah. Try sleeping in here, which uh, I think both of us have done. I've slept in here once. I used to sleep around the corner in the main snack bar. JT has slept in this here. This is JT's uh, location of choice. And yeah, I think what he does is wraps a, a jacket around it. So it muff. Yes, it weakens the chunk. Weakens the kachunk. Yes. So do we want to get to the questions? Yeah, let's get to the well, questions. I mean, this is this is not a Patreon-only episode, but this is the vibe of one of those. It's, it's pretty darn loose. Uh, so Kiana Hill asks, what's the best double or triple feature you've shown at the drive-in so far? Oh my goodness. That's well, so many means so much for so many different reasons, you know? Um, certain ones come to mind because they were groundbreaking in a way, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, certainly that... Um, uh, bite night, second bite night when we broke the new ground with the digital with Maddie. Um, that was a humongous one. Um, 
the any time we played the Kevin Smith movies, that meant mm-hmm. a hell of a lot to me. Um, I mean, if we focus in on this year a bit more, which is easier to remember, yes, um, definitely. I mean, that Beyond the Drive-In event, just again, as far as breaking new ground, I wouldn't say it was my favorite uh, features, you know, Spookies and Things, um, but it was really great to see um, what we potentially could do with um, accessible technology. It still felt little rascals. It still felt a little backdoor, mm-hmm. um, but it really delivered, I think, way better a show than people thought they were going to get, um, which is really cool. And I have a feeling is going to uh, birth a lot of new ideas or a lot of new potential for what we can do with guests when they're on the lot. Do you have one that pops out for you? I mean, if you were to focus on this year, a double or a triple? I mean, it's really tough. I've seen so many movies here from going from being a patron to to management uh, that they all blur together. And it's really hard. Uh, The James Bond movies, the night that we did those. Oh, my goodness. uh, That was big. And that was a was that a triple? That was a triple. triple. That was from Russia with Love, Goldfinger and Thunderbolt. I'm a huge Bond fan. I've rarely seen them on the big screen. They were original Technicolor prints on that screen. Uh, that was pretty great. And we had my friend Hank brought out a uh, large, it, it wasn't, it wasn't even a large section of his Bond collection. It was a large Bond collection on display, a fraction of what he owns. All these various posters from the different re-releases of those three movies and lobby cards and album covers. And then we had uh, Lee Pfeiffer, who's like, if not the, one of the preeminent Bond experts in the world came out and he was just chatting and doing intros for the films. So for me personally, that was a big one. Um, it is honestly very, very hard for me to think back if I didn't, unless I had a list in front of me, because we've done so much here. There've been so many exhumed shows, which are standard triple features. So many of our own double features. Yeah. Uh, seeing Smokey and the Bandit here with on Joe Bob Knight was pretty big for me, but that was a single. So right. uh, it's very, very hard for me. I would say any of you who listen to this, if you're listening to this anywhere where you can comment, let us know what your favorite doubles and triples have been at the theater because Liz actually put together that great, um, it's almost like a poll that we're gonna put up on the website where you can choose literally your favorite event of all the events and to see them all listed is staggering. Um, But you can choose your favorite event and we're going to do a crew uh, poll and a fan poll and see where the, uh, the ball lies, but um that monkeys event comes to mind that could that be was, considered double i mean that was certainly like a dream come true event and For look me it was yeah we uh jeff and i talked about it on what was the last day we were here tuesday for television right. tuesday obviously it makes sense to bring the monkeys back but we normally give a buffer uh so if i were to think of mark and another film or event that he could crush and knock out the park as far as bringing in the fandom um i think we might have to bring the mustache in and do a little smoky night smoky and cannonball Ooh, which i happen boy. to be wearing my cannonball t-shirt well uh, certainly we're gonna give you a night again this uh this season and see uh what we can do with it and that's the big thing with this year is we planted a ton of seeds like um, as far as ideas for things we can do, as far as guests to bring out, as far as uh, starting new events this year, trying mm-hmm. out new events this year. 
um, and figuring out what works as far as the flow after the pandemic. So, uh, but one thing is for sure that monkeys event shows what you can really do with um, passion for um, material, you know? I mean, that show for me was, it was being somewhat connected to that world and somewhat, you know, for decades, dare I say, involved in that that fandom. So I I, I, I exploited my connections and we're nothing if not about exploiting our <laughs> friends. Uh, we tell people all the time, if you are into something and have some connection, like don't be shy, it could literally start an event. Faye is the perfect example. We would have never launched that David Lynch event if she didn't come and say, uh, hey, I got a connection to the world. I'm in the, the Twin Peaks world. And same thing with Mad Max. Like she goes to Wasteland all the time and has the connection and to put somebody in charge of um, uh, the parade is, is, is a total no brainer. So I think that might be the move. You think we can get the car out? We got connections for the car, right? Oh, we've got, are you talking about the weekend? Yeah. Not to tip our hand, we have connections for also oh, we're something very we have we have we have connections. Let's just yeah. say that. I don't want to say too much because one of the things we even when friends will ask us, you know, what do you have on this date on the calendar that isn't announced yet? I always have to say, well, as of right now, it's this. Right. Because so much can change between what you want to do and what you wind up doing and what you even have on your calendar. Things change. So yeah. uh, I don't want to say much about what uh, a Burt Smoky Cannonball event could be, but it has the potential to be very, very cool if you like those things. I think we could lean into that fandom. Um, Maybe the one time a car movie works. Or uh, Smokey was 77, Cannonball was 81, so we just missed both. Right. Well, <laughs> Both hey. uh, even number anniversaries. So it's going to be a celebration. Special 23rd anniversary screening. But yeah, that'll be a really great one. Um, I got to say that 90s event was a dream come true. You know, like uh, seeing heavyweights and hearing the fans reacting and talking back to the screen. Like it really felt like a middle school sleepover. You know what I mean? Like where every like-minded person was here and interactive and into the thing. Um, and it was an average weekend as far as turnout. But talk about people who went out of their way to come up and be like, I really love that you guys are playing these movies, you know? Same thing happened with Idle Hands. Uh, you know, it wasn't the biggest turnout ever, but uh, the amount of people that came in and are just like, this is crazy. We had a newbie who left a uh, review and they were like, mm -hmm. this place is great. And I met the director, what a surprise. <laughs> like, how weird is that? If you came as a first time and was like, is the director here introducing the movie right now? What's going on? That was insane. I Rodman Flanders, the director of Idle Hands. He also directed the, uh, the documentary about the upper crust, a band I love called Let Them Eat Rock. So I messaged him on Instagram and I said, we're, we're running your movie. Would you have any interest in sending us a video interview? He immediately said yes. And then he got back to us and he said, I watched the documentary that's at the drive-in directed by Alexander Minnelli, available now on Amazon 2B <laughs> and MVD DVD. And he's like, I want to come down and meet you guys. I want to I'll do, how about, he's like, would it be okay if I did a live intro? The answer of course is no. Uh, yes. So he came down and brought his son, a former projectionist himself. I unfortunately wasn't here that night, but apparently he had a great time and, and was super happy to meet people. It was and crazy. you never know, uh, it, it can never hurt to ask is the biggest thing I've learned, especially this season here. Uh, the worst people can say is no, and the best people can say is yes, and I'm bringing the original car with me. <laughs> Props. And, and Sawa. I mean, I reached out to Sean Clark, his representation. 
and was like, hey, we're doing this event. We, we wanted to bring Devin out, but we know it's short notice. Uh, would he be into introducing the movie? Same type of fish like you do. And he was like, what type of thing are you looking for? I was like, it can be as simple as like, hey, thanks for coming out to the Mahoning. Enjoy the show. Peace. Or as we call it, the Wynorski. <laughs> Jim, Jim Wynorski gave us the shortest intros to a movie ever. So um, love Jim, though. Oh, he's crazy. He actually yeah. popped on to one of our Simplex uh, members only virtual Patreon screenings at the end of a movie he wrote. He popped on at the end and he told us the most unpublishable stories about how that movie was made it was fantastic <laughs> so all hail jim yes true uh but yeah Devin sent us an email unprompted we didn't hear back from sean after that uh the day of the show the morning of the show and it was in character as anton his character from idle hands and it was amazing like he did a bit for us and it went insanely viral when we shared it. And then he shared it to his socials. The media picked it up. So it, this place is uh, truly the gift that keeps on giving. And I think um, that's a true example of what um, people involved in the films give to us. They give back to the fans and give back to the Mahoning because we are who we are. The fact that Rodman reached back, you know, like the next day and was like, watch the movie, change my mind, I'm coming out. Like, it was, it was awesome. I really regret not um, recording the interview on the radio uh, that night, but he is so into coming onto the podcast. So cool. talk about planting seeds, all the guests we had this year. Easy for the podcast. Johnny and Yuki, oh my God. Can you imagine that smash up crossover podcast? <laughs> My favorite part of the night is when they were, they were just lit. John during the intermission uh, or during the movie was just perusing the VHS wall, mm -hmm. started pulling titles and their whole bit for intermission was sitting there with Frank, uh, producer of Spookies and just holding up the, 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 the boxes and, and be just, like, have you ever seen this city of love? Crazy, right? <laughs> it was, it, they were just riffing on tapes, which is not, it's not a terrible at all idea. It really worked. And especially because Frank, um, is such a knowledgeable, um, old school guy about that, like all kinds of, things. oh, he had, uh, little anecdotes and stories for everything, but, and he was in Dawn of the Dead, Frank Farrell, Farrell, yes. who was the producer of Spookies and Street Trash, apparently yep. was the seltzer zombie in Dawn of the Dead. So at one point the bikers break into the mall and they squirt a zombie with seltzer. That's Frank. That is That's crazy. crazy. Daryl, who, uh, is one of our Patreon members, regulars, volunteers, uh, actually gave Frank a ride down from the Catskills area and uh, they had a time for sure. I think they, they connected, but it blew Daryl's mind and he actually got him to sign off on his laser disc that uh, Romero signed and all the guys signed. That's a heavily inked laser disc that Daryl has with so many people who were involved. He's got seltzer zombie on there. I think <laughs> I was there when you have him sign it. He's like, could you just write seltzer zombie under it? Frank uh, was on cloud nine, you know, not to go too deep into the weekend, but like he felt the rock star status, felt the passion that this place is all about. Uh, he left a review for us online that yeah, was like, he did best place to see a movie on the planet or something like that. And he was just such a uh, a team player. And it's the the type of thing where he saw um, really what we're trying to do and, and uh, respected that. And the fans went nuts for him. It must be crazy to have created something 
you know, 30 plus years ago and then have all of a sudden this resurgence. And the thing he kept saying is, for 30 years, people told me this movie was garbage. And now all of a sudden mm -hmm. I'm signing vinyl records and mm -hmm. personalizing and, you know, it, it's it must be such a trip to have uh, your work come back around. We see that a lot of VHS Fest where mm -hmm. people are like, like there's a sellout crowd to come and see Savage Harvest. It's like, yeah, people love this shit, you know? They really do. So uh, that was an excellent way to totally avoid answering her question. What was that question? <laughs> What's the best double or triple feature you've shown at the drive-in so far? There were a couple answers in there. I would say, oh, so um, far. definitely the, the 90s event for sure. Um, I really loved that uh, dirty, dirty work um, screening. Again, not a huge turnout, but the laughter, the feel on the lot, the like-mindedness, the camaraderie type of thing. Um, uh, what did we play this year early on in on Tuesday? It wasn't hard-boiled, or was it? I uh, Hard-boiled or the killer? The killer. The killer was this year. Hard-boiled yes. was last year. That was incredible. Another one where I'm I'm sitting there watching this uh, perfection of the movie, walking around the lot. Everybody's so into it, and it was one of those moments where you're just like, God, we, we are we are so doing it, you know? Like, how much cooler could it get? The kung fu trailers, the uh, you know Hong Kong action packed stuff. It was such a, a slice, and that happens all the time here at the Mahoning, but. Every now and then, because we're so in it and not necessarily the the patrons sitting watching it all the time, it uh, sometimes it can really wash you. You know, it hit you at a certain point. Right. <laughs> I never got to experience that live. <laughs> That's Mark's go-to. Uh, if we hit a wall, and yes, right. if, or I, I'm not going to say it's because I wasn't paying attention. It's because I. It's because I got nothing to say. So let's, uh, Kiana's got another question. Whoa, hey. And uh, what's the best, who's the best guest that you've had at the drive-in so far? Who do you hope to get for future showings? The best is hard because every year we have people who are just so cool. So gung-ho, so on board to play ball. I mean, my mind is always going to go to the most recent ones. I always think that Michael Berryman was so cool when he was here. He sang happy birthday to Dave. So Michael Berryman had his table right around the corner from where we are right now in, in snack bar, uh, where the merch table is now. He was sitting there and that's where he was signing autographs. But during the movie, he didn't have anything to do because everybody was outside watching the movie. And that during the movie is usually when we'll do a birthday cake for staff members. It was Dave Wirt's birthday. <laughs> so we brought this cake out and maybe for a moment, Michael thought we were bringing a cake out for him. But that was just the, that was the biggest flat surface we had to work with. So we set the, the cake down and, and he sang happy birthday. Well, um, what's his name from uh, Mad Max? Our, our guest, Wes Ver Vernon. Vernon Wells yes. sang happy birthday to Deep Hell, That's Jess's mother, right. when she was here and he wished her happy birthday. We've got it all on video somewhere. So a lot of times the celebrities happen to be in here and are joining in the, the birthday greeting and they get a little free cake out of it too, which isn't so bad. The celebrities that just come to play and come to have a good time, those are the ones that really are impactful. Linnea, she was with us for those two weeks, probably the most important and impactful and stressful two weeks of our lives. Uh, right before Jamboree for VHS Fest got the news of the uh, solar panel madness and then Jamboree, she was there for both. So she went on a journey with us and 
uh, is truly somebody that I feel like, you know, uh, we could have over for dinner. She's such a sweetheart. I had said to her that the weekend of VHS Fest, I, as she was getting ready to leave, I'd be like, you're the only guest I've ever been able to say this to. See you next week. <laughs> Hold over guests. Yeah, it was where, and she actually went home because she has animals. She actually went, flew back across the country to yeah. deal with, you know, her home animal life and then came right back the next weekend was here as a, actually as a surprise guest for the Jamboree. Yeah, that's why knew. it really worked is everybody that was here for VHS Fest, even if they got to meet her the next weekend, it was like, wait, what? Um, this year, Zach, Zach was a freaking dream. Zach Ward uh, of Christmas Story fame. He came to play, man. When he got up on that marquee, um, you could tell he was like legitimately psyched to have his name on that marquee and dance around. And uh, certainly around Christmas time, we have some killer material, him dancing mm -hmm. up on that marquee. Um, but just gave fans everything. It's like, you want a slug? You want a smile? What do you want? You know? Super nice guy. The nicest uh, big screen bully you could ever want to meet. Um, <laughs> yeah. Beatrice Bepoli, I believe is how it was pronounced. Yeah, she was Bopal, as I Bopal. called her for years. She was uh, Amanda Kruger in Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. She came dressed as the nun from that movie. She shows up like in character into the snack bar, blessing everybody. <laughs> and, I, and I was giving her projection booth, throwing me up. You, you want to bless those projectors? I mean, they're, they're 73 years old. We can use all the help we mm. can get. And then during her scene in the movie, she goes out in front of the front row of this of the theater. And if you haven't been here, there's a huge grassy area under that gigantic screen. And she's like running around and flailing her arms. And then at one point she had the uh, Freddy glove on and she was going up and tapping on people's windows or tapping them on the shoulder <laughs> to scare them. She was super into it, super nice lady. Um, she was great. She I mean, was fantastic. Every year we have people who were like, this is the best guest ever. So it, it's so hard to just land on one i know it really is difficult i go uh andre came to play last year uh keith came to play last year keith coogan um which, man the story is we could tell with keith we gotta have keith on i mean he is hollywood royalty i saw a clip of him dancing and singing at the oscars like uh in the 80s they did like a future of hollywood right bit. and it was crazy i'm just like you know we were hanging out with this guy um We've talked about Zach before, the story of uh, him telling me uh, behind the scenes dirt on uh, Gremlins 2 oh, as we're sitting in the in the field. Of Zach Galligan. Yeah. Galligan. He was a great one. Um, Johnny and Yuki were great. Uh, to be honest, it, the better question would be who wasn't great, you know? And we don't talk about that. We don't. And honestly, there, really I think there was only like one, maybe one instance where somebody got a little Hollywood on us and was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm over the dirt, the cold, the wind, the, the bullshit, you know? And we run into that when we reach out for some guests too, where they're like a drive-in, like a dusty one. Eh, oh, right. Nope. They don't get that. We're, we're something a little bit different than that. People, I think, and even with Devin, perfect example, um, through somebody, uh, we reached out uh, about the request for, we didn't go direct um and it was looked at at like as like why why would i go to a drive-in that makes no sense and the word got back to him once we reached out directly of what drive-in it was and what we're about and look what we get you know so we get the sequel to idle hands <laughs> i'll tell you if we yes. plant the seed of the sequel for idle hands i will die um oh my god so much fun so much fun um 
Yeah, there's a lot of meat on that bone with that question, but I think that that covers good. Felissa, oh my gosh. Uh, Felissa's going to probably come back next year. I talked to the Joe Bob guys um, and we're planning something really cool. Like they were so impressed and happy with mm -hmm. how the uh, the event went. So, And that was across the board this year with any event that uh, was like, hey, let's plant this seed. Let's see how it goes. We got to bring them back because they were so um there's so much potential there so wednesday night shows begin next year <laughs> so zachariah smith asks that musical question what and this is this is all you what movie did you have let me try that again what movie did you have to put the most effort into tracking down the rights holder Ooh. um because sometimes it's just a studio warner brothers that's true sometimes it's uh, like a video company owns the rights or it's Agfa. And then sometimes it's like, ah, this production company was bought out by, well, like we couldn't show the fog one year. Mm -hmm. And I believe at the time the fog was owned by, was it canal plus or it was canal. owned, by, it was owned That's by like right. a corporation. And same thing with Terminator two at that point. Um, I think that fell under the canal, um, Umbrella. I know, I think I was thinking it was something Studio like, I don't know if it's still the case, but for a while, Spinal Tap was owned by L'Oreal Cosmetics because they were owned by this. The film was owned by Abco Embassy and that was bought out by another one. And I think yeah. there's some movie titles that Bausch and Loam own just because it was corporations gobbling up corporations. Oh, that definitely And happens. Spinal Tap ultimately was owned by a French cosmetics company. I don't I'm know if it's like, still well, own. maybe we should reach out to them and see it, what's what. Um, yeah. For wrestling weekend, I forget the title, but definitely uh, WWE films. We could not get through to them at all. Um, Netflix, we tried some Netflix stuff to see if we could get some fan events um, in that uh, under that umbrella. No word back from them. Um, probably the biggest example would be the Jamboree last year, and this happens from time to time. Um, we requested rights for night of the demons mm -hmm. and got no word back uh went to another potential rights holder never heard a thing back went to another potential rights holder um and never heard a thing back so once you have this chain of requests um you know we decided to go forward and show the movie um in hopes that one of those people would be like right. oh hey uh, you know, just get in your email. Please or send check to. Yes. Um, but that was one that had some sort of limbo going on last year. Um, I'm trying to think of one that like we wanted to play and couldn't because of the, uh, the rights. Um, to be honest, if we have the connection to a print, um, we can always go through those steps, uh, reaching out to, uh, those people who had rights to it at a certain point and nine times out of 10, it leads down a road. And Mark, you're really great with, um, uh, the Booker's forum or whatever it's called film forum, where, uh, if we need to find rights or a print to a certain title, we can reach out to our, uh, group of bookers and, uh, circuit and see, Hey, when did this play last and who held the rights? I, I, I like that sleuthery. A lot of times they'll come <laughs> to me and they'll say, I, we can't find the rights for, uh, Savannah smiles or what's the, uh, the Denny Terrio <laughs> film festival that we're working on. And, uh, so I'll go and I hit the internet and part of it is who has played it on 35 recently. 
And if they don't flat out say where they got it, contact them. So I've got contacts with several theaters around the country who who are now asking me questions. Yeah. They're like, hey, do you know where to, we, we want to play Nightmare Before Christmas. Where did you get your print or something like that? Right. So I, I do enjoy the being the, the the what do you call it, the PI, the uh, celluloid PI or yes. PI when I, when I can be. Well, the job never ends, you know what I mean? Like, and, and the facets of what it is to be the general manager at the Manning Drive-In Theater, I guess it's hard to put, <laughs> put no, into great. words. You I, know? I generally manage. You never know what's going to come up. Um. Yeah. Does that answer that question? Probably I mean, not, but... I um, think so. Was um, there one that was super tricky to find the rights to, but you did get the rights eventually? But we did. Um, or do you usually, when it gets super tricky, do you usually go, eh, we'll play something uh, else? No, I mean, more than anything, I would have the attitude of like, let's try our hardest to make this work, even if we can't find the rights mm. holder. Um, but, uh, I mean, the Terminator definitely, the uh, Terminator 2 comes to mind because we tried it for so many years and couldn't get through um the Lionsgate stuff um up until this year we requested dogma every single year mm -hmm. for the Kevin Smith fest which I hear Lionsgate doesn't have a print but they do hold the rights now um the Miramax stuff clerks right. I mean clerks we ended up getting a print through Quentin in 2017 um and then that print became unavailable at a certain point and we started getting it from another collector through harry um but that was one that was like what are we not gonna play this like you know so that was a big win and one that like that happens all the time really is even with wicker man perfect example is studio doesn't have a print uh, Harry starts going through his list of uh, private collectors to see if he can ask a favor, and we land on Quentin's print. So we'll be showing uh, Tarantino's print on uh, on Sunday. So, but that type of stuff happens as long as the collectors, studios, and circuit are willing to help you out. Um, we don't hit that issue as as often as many probably would think. Mm -hmm. um, still pushing them for that Poseidon adventure. I know we can lock it in. We just got to find it. It's so bizarre to me that these movies, and I know why it is, but these movies that we consider to be giant classics, and most people would, it comes down to finding a print of it sometimes, and it, the studio's like, no, nah, we don't have that. Hundreds of prints existed at one point of this film, and and, and we've whittled down to none. To and none. What, once in a while, you see, I follow so many theaters online that still show film, and they'll advertise new 35 millimeter print or new 70 millimeter print. The uh, the Somerville Theater in Boston, or Somerville technically, Massachusetts, uh, recently screened a new 70 millimeter print of something. So once in a while, the studio deems it worthy, but there are so few venues that can show 35 anymore that uh, the likelihood of a new print of something like Poseidon Adventure is is unfortunate. Like, I, I want to see that we showed Earthquake once, which was a blast. Yes. Here, and we showed, um, where did we show Earthquake? It was Earthquake and Twister. To me, Poseidon Adventure, Earthquake, Towering Inferno are like the trinity the there. The disaster trilogy. So like Poseidon and and Towering Inferno, water, fire and water. To me, those go together. I don't know, have we ever looked to see if Towering Inferno is available on 35? I think we could get Towering Inferno. Uh, and if it's a red print, it doesn't matter. That's it's true. Fire. <laughs> it all works. Yeah, um, that's a great question. But yeah, you would, um, you'd be surprised. In the beginning, 
a lot more difficult. Now, again, I think because we have uh, the connections, it makes it a little bit easier. Cool. So uh, the last question we have, there actually may be one more, another 10. Yeah. Uh, Tom Bafulco, our artist who's done yes. so much work. Resident artist extraordinaire. And should I spill the beans that he might be working on artwork for this very podcast? Oh my Perhaps a logo or some kind of image other than the film reel? I was like, see. if you can do a cartoon of, of us, like characters, that would be amazing. And he said, yeah, send me kind of like a, a photo to go off of. So I sent him a couple choice photos I got. And uh, Mark is like, just make me a monkey. <laughs> and no joke, uh, we may end up doing that. So I might have sent him a picture we'll of a see. monkey. Everything's better with a monkey. <laughs> so if, 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 I'm, if I'm a monkey on this. If this logo is like me, Jeff, and a monkey. And a chimp, that will they're be, like, hey, it's the BJ and the Bear podcast. Yeah, people will be coming and being like, where's that? Where's the monkey at? <laughs> I'm the monkey. Mark the monkey. So shock the, shock the monkey. So Tom has done a lot of uh, event artwork for us, event poster art and t-shirts. He did the Goonies t-shirt. He did the Dirty Dancing t-shirt. And I'm not just saying that because we're trying to sell those in the lobby right now. Um, he, <laughs> and he's done a lot of really great. He did the Vincent Price Twice poster, which is beautiful. And uh, he asks, what is your favorite beverage while on the lot? Is there anything new you'd like to see as a regular drink in the concession stand? Ooh. Any curveballs? Ooh, a beverage man, I see. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> yeah, milkshakes, boy. You know, if oh, we could have milkshakes here, think about that class. Um, my go-to, I mean, if I need to stay up, Mountain Dew, for sure. Um, right now, I'm rocking the Minute Maid. Um, yeah, what's your go-to? I often drink cool, refreshing water. The gold, the golden choice. Uh, because at one point I heard it was healthier to drink water or it was a way to stay healthy was to drink a lot of water. And, so they say. Uh, if it's the path of, path of least effort, I'm going to take it. Um, I'm always like a cheeseburger and a Coke guy. I like vanilla Coke, which we have. That's right. Really um, I like orange soda to a degree. I don't drink as much soda as I used to lately. Uh, I do drink, I'll drink a monster energy drink here, which we now carry. I'll take one of those, take one of those. It's medicinal why I have those. I'll, <laughs> I'll drink one of those like at the beginning of the night. Like before we open, I'll have a monster and some food. And that you know gives me a little pep for the evening. But right. uh, any curveballs? Like what, as far as beverages? What could we, for a while, Rob was going out and getting like rare sodas. He was scouring the, the greater Carbon County area and bringing in what I always said, We aside from a place that has, what do they call those? The, the, the freestyle. It's Aside from somebody who has a freestyle machine, which essentially gives you 200 varieties, we easily had the greatest soda variety or beverage variety of any theater I'd ever been to because, and it was all cans because he would get all kinds of weird stuff. Um, boy, I... I don't know about any curveball other than something like a concoction, like a milkshake or something that's not just a canned beverage. Yeah, I mean, whenever uh, Mama Beth does the specials, for sure. If Max has any hand in those specials, forget it. Um, I would say, I mean, definitely when we had the soda czar on it, he was getting those like major melons. We referred to Rob as the soda czar. He'd get these bizarre Mountain Dew varieties. He'd find them. He, he would scour before they were in stores, he brought in a case of the uh, the hot, red hot. It's like the spicy Mountain Dew or something like it that. It was like, what's going on? And we were all so intrigued, uh, naturally, and it became it became a thing. So, um, yeah, I guess same thing as favorite event. If you guys have a, 
have a bev that you want to see here i think we do a really good job with the variety um right away coke one out you know that's the kind of the classic drive-in fare almost all of our ads are very coke specific so yeah we only we have coke as a in the days of the soda czar he would just buy you know whatever he could get his hands on so usually you'll find a place has one or the other nobody generally has coke and pepsi because you sort of have a contract and that's your distributor and all that and right Present day, we are a Coke uh, organization, so you you won't see any Pepsi here. Um, I always kind of liked the idea of doing both because some people will walk up and look at Pepsi products and go, oh God, don't you have Coke? And some will walk up to look at Coke and go, oh God, don't you have Pepsi? Uh, but otherwise, I think we do a pretty good job on variety. Uh, we did have Moxie for a while. Uh, Dave Wirt's favorite is a Diet Moxie. <laughs> smuggling into any theater he'll go to. Yes. And taking photographic incriminating evidence of that. And <laughs> When I worked the cash register, a lot of people would ask, like younger people hadn't heard of Moxie. And and I would always say, well, I've heard it described as a bitter cream soda. It's like a cinnamony it was, thing going on. And it I was always something everybody's dad liked. Yeah, I, I don't enjoy Moxie. Um, we supported the locals. We had Zimmerman's for a while, Zimmy's. Um, Zimmy's aren't around anymore. Like the company's around, but we don't carry them anymore. Um, but yeah, I would say that would be fun is to do, and I told Beth, maybe this is the move for the off season is to try to lock in some uh, like official sponsorships like a Rico's, you know, and be like, this is something we always have on stock because they're our jam, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I'd say the more unique uh, drinks, the better. I find myself... Uh, drawn toward it it's like ooh, yes for a while ooh. i think matt was stocking malta goya that's right which i'd never heard of and we had people come in who were very excited because he said oh one of the guys was like oh i used to live in a very you know hispanic community and all of the that was like bodegas had this stuff i don't know what it was i remember carl got one and he bought it i was working the register and he said oh, i'll try this and he took a sip and he was like looking for a place to spit it out he like yeah, he tastes good. like dirt, <laughs> and then he came back and he bought a Sunkist to wash the taste of the Malta Goya out of his mouth. And I said, "Our plan worked. You get to sell two beverages. You sell <laughs> them the beverage, try the Malta, <laughs> and then you sell them the beverage to get the taste out of that first one out of their mouth." Some people liked it. I, I never tried it after seeing how people reacted to it. I think Zoe tried one, and the way she reacted, I was like, I think I'm just going to pass on the Malta Goya. Yeah, the uniqueness is great. I do miss when we carried hugs. Hugs were a biggie for a while. Those little barrels. Early on. Fruit barrels, as yes. some people call them. Um, but yeah, I like the revolving door of Bev's, you know? You have the staples. You have your water. You have iced tea, uh, Coke, Coke, Diet Coke. If you have some caffeine-free goodness mm -hmm. for the people, and some, and then some serious caffeine for the other peeps. There was a, a man once who had yeah. asked us if we would carry seltzer water because he was diabetic and he wanted something that you know had a little pep but no sugar in it. Right. Um, and that was that was cool. I don't know that we ever sold a lot of that. I tried drinking it once. And I'm like, this tastes like air that makes you burp. <laughs> like, that we had, do like, still no carry flavor. seltzer. Do this, we? Yeah. To this okay. Snack, maybe it was the know? brand that we had. I, it was. Uh, I won't for say some brand, people but. like you know it's it's really hard to hit everybody's mm. uh taster option preference but uh we try our best that's for dang sure we'll have beth on again in the off season to talk about uh we'll, we'll tell people she's coming on everybody can grill her with yeah! <laughs> literally grill why don't you carry this why don't you do this why don't you do that she'll give you the best <laughs> answer of any of us because she's the one who has to do it all the time that's right 
that's all the questions that we had uh, uh, left over from that uh, that last podcast. Uh, as we say, we are sitting here in the projection booth, uh, just going into our final weekend of the season, and uh, I don't I don't want it to be over. Yeah, it's uh, it's the hard time of year uh, when we have to to swallow the the, the reality of it all and. Um, but the nice thing is, just like I say every year, it's a different type of work in the offseason. And it's almost a um, it's very rewarding to be able to set up the stage um, and call some people in, give them the put me in coach call. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this year we more than any other year learned uh, some things uh that we're doing right some things that we're doing wrong uh some things that we can change some things that we can tighten up a little bit and um i think that really makes us stronger you know it certainly makes the business more viable for the future and that's really what this is all about is making sure that we're around uh for many many years to come so uh the community events went great i think next year for sure leaning into uh, some of the private rentals. Some mm. of the private rental nights were some of the most fun I had this year. Wait, you can rent this place privately? You can totally rent this place Hold privately. On. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Could you have like a, a wedding here or a bachelor party or a bachelorette party or a or, a, or a Rotarian event? Whatever you want to do. Like if you're like, hey, I run a company and I want to give my employees like an unforgettable treat, why not rent them a hunting lot and show whatever movies that you want, whatever presentation that you want. Um, and... Yeah, kind of get the run of the lot. Talk about now, a dream. Are, are these kind of rentals limited to just uh, nighttime? <laughs> you see how you're playing this. Um, no, we do daytime rentals. We do uh, overnight rentals. We do weekdays. We do weekends. We do uh, really whatever is available. Weekends have become much tougher, much more coveted. Um, but we hosted a couple of weddings this year one on a monday which was a dream come true i'm really hoping the monday weddings take off i that seems weird but i think if you really want to have a wedding at a drive-in theater especially this one uh you'd probably be willing to alter your dates yeah. one of the weddings uh it was photo nicely photographed and it was a big article in philly magazine about the, that wedding which resulted in a lot of people going so i just heard that you do weddings there <laughs> yes um, but that's kind of the big thing for the future and the off season in general is uh, figuring out ways to utilize the lot, uh, both as a drive-in and not. And even with the growth that we have seen, we've uh, seen that we've become more of a venue uh, with some of these events uh, than your traditional uh, drive-in. But marrying the two together like we did for the uh, Beyond the Drive-In event, um, it definitely bodes well for the future, you know, as far as options. There are some guests that we reach out to, um, some very notable guests that we reach out to, and they're just not into meet and greet or photo ops. They're like, yeah, like, no, I, I don't want to do the up close and personal wave of fans thing. Um, but if we can get them to come out and give a show, you know, um, whether under the screen in the booth, um, the DJ set thing, the podcast thing, it really opens up uh, a whole other element. You know, we could totally have Joe Dante out next year, which we were supposed to this year. 
and have him do a live record of the podcast right here. You know? Right here? Right here. We could have Mick Garris come out next year and have him do a record of the podcast. Bang. Right here. Well, that would be Charles Brand next year. Woo! uh, I thought you were going to say Charles Bronson. I'm like, that that would be something. Get a shovel. Uh, we can get the guy who looks. We actually could literally get the guy who looks like Charles Bronson to come out. Here. We got pitched on that guy. We actually. did get uh, during the pandemic. We like <laughs> we have. I believe is it Bronsky? Charles Bronsky is called. Yeah, he nice. looks just like him. He did this movie called uh, Death Warrant or Death Sentence or something like that. Right. And it was just like, would anybody come out to see a guy who looks like a famous guy? <laughs> come meet not Charles. My Bronson. thought was show Bronson movies <laughs> and have this guy come out and have the most amazing photo ops so everybody can take photos with their like send it to their friends. He, they, they found him. He rose him from the dead. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so they, yeah, there's a lot of potential for uh, interesting hijinks in the coming yes, season. For sure. Which is what we do all off season, which is in some ways I'm not necessarily less busy with this place in the off season. I just focus on other things, but right. there's so much planning and poking and uh investigation involved oh hopefully not of us but on our, <laughs> on our part on, on things that we might be able to do or people to come out it's uh it's it's very fun yeah and uh hopefully you guys are into things like this as we raise the bar that's the big thing i kept saying over this last month is a lot of these shows were super experimental you're helping us raise the bar you're helping us try out new things and just like the appeal of the Mahoning and the familial aspect of it, it allows the audience to come along uh, for the ride and truly be a part of the growth. So it's going to be fun. Right. <laughs> well, um, do we have any other direction for the podcast? or Did, did, this, we... did this podcast ever have a direction? <laughs> Uh, no, no. I, I had just said, hey, let's record Should something. Should we grab some stuff off the wall and be like, have you seen this? I was going to Actually, no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Look. Yes. So for the people who are watching this on video, this is our Troma Award. It's Now, I'm seeing this World's backwards. World's Greatest Drive-In. World's right. Greatest Drive-In as, as dec- decreed by uh, the Troma Organization and Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hurst, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> we can do these video podcasts that are yeah, just... What's, what's sitting around? Uh, what's, what's, Jeff, sitting... what's Jeff got his desk? <laughs> Oh, I'm that away. The, his hubby award is somewhere here. I'm not going to say where, but the award that Jeff was presented, if the special ever airs that was shot during the original it's Jamboree. Coming. That is one thing uh, people kept asking is like, did they give you any info on, on when it's airing? It's in the can. Like it is edited, ready to go. And now it's just a matter of finding the spot for it on the schedule. It's really incredible talking to those guys because you got to remember uh, all these guys came from Troma. Um, they created this uh, show, pulled Joe Bob out of retirement for a one-time special that exploded into now a five-year anniversary of nonstop television shows on Shudder. So to have something blow up like that and ride that wave and to be able to talk to somebody that relates to that was, Mm -hmm. uh, was really, really cool because that is a total crossover with what those guys do and uh, what we did, and in a weird way, right around that same timing, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so what else is going on, Mark? Anything else? Uh, We told the people about the Patreon. We told them that we're doing the virtual screenings. We told them that um, it's a way to stay connected to us as well as uh, extend the season. And try to think of the other fun stuff that we do in the off season. With Patreon, I think I mentioned it, we are having guests 
as programmers for some of these uh, Simplex shows. So um, I chose the movie, but for our November show, we're having Chris Pajali, maybe Grady Hendrix as well, uh, authors of These Fists Break Bricks, which is a great book about martial arts uh, cinema in America. Uh, Chris will be introducing, I'm not gonna say what the movie's always a secret. You don't know until it hits, but Chris will be introducing the movie that we're screening that night and maybe chatting along with us in the in the chat that goes during the film. And then I believe someone from, I don't wanna say his name in case he decides uh, we, he doesn't wanna do it, but somebody from American genre film archive will be picking a movie from their archive and introducing it why he thinks it's great and we're going to probably do that with some some notable people here and there uh of course we'll lean on we'll exploit every friendship that we have to do that but that's another aspect of the patreon thing what do we do in the off season um it's a lot of you well you decide you know try to figure out what movies we're going to play the, the shows year. we are going to try to start announcing again in january like we normally do new year new role um, definitely some of the bigger shows we're going to try to get out well in advance. Um, a lot of the annuals, Harry has those puppies locked in, you know, practically now. Um, so we can announce some of those things early, let people plan their year, uh, well in advance and, you know, come along for the ride. So, um, I, I just got reminded of it, um, the hubby when you brought it up. So Rodman. Uh, who was here, director of Idle Hands, amongst many other things. He is a hubby award winner. He won in like 1998 or something like that. And we got a picture of Jeff and him holding Jeff's hubby. And uh, yeah, weird connections there. You know, it's like our our worlds clash mm -hmm. together every now and then. Um, uh, it, also in the off season, we, we, we assess what did and didn't work during the season. You know, you look at things where it's like, you know, that door always sticks or or whatever, you know, we got to stop running that cable across the floor. We try to figure out ways to make it better for, for us, more efficient for us and, and, and for the customers too. So there, there's that. Right. Um, we look at uh, the, like we've got, the podcast is going to keep going nonstop. So last year in the off season, I had the great idea of getting guests and we recorded literally like 12 in short order guest podcasts. I still haven't edited them all and released them. I'm putting out podcasts now that we recorded in, in April in February, actually, the one I'm working on right now. Um, but we're going to keep doing that. People who are related to the drive-in world or, or film or cinema or a fellow drive-in owners. I'm fascinated by the stories. of Those were some of my favorites. And we still haven't released any of those yet. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we're just in time for them to close for this year. We'll put them out for next year. <laughs> but we're going to try to do a bunch more of those because I'm just fascinated by how the other guys do it, guys and gals do it and uh, the histories of all these other drive-ins and, and what works for them and what doesn't work for them. And especially I want to talk to people about this season where every drive-in became a retro horror drive-in for September and October. And how did that work? You know, um, it's just, it's, it's interesting. The people we interview, we don't do a lot of research for these or I don't because I want to learn. Like, I want to know, I want to get in this conversation. I want to know all about the, the story of these people and how, you know, drive-in or cinema has touched their lives. So you can expect uh, a lot more of that and a lot more of the two of us and, and Jeff doing uh, just talk and shop and, and things like that. Now that life will have calmed down a little bit, we'll have more time to reflect. It is crazy, uh, but certainly all those guests and it, you don't give yourself enough credit sometimes, but you're an incredible producer of this podcast. Um, definitely coming into to most of these interviews, things like that, Mark is very much responsible for uh, preparing me and preparing us for uh, the conversation. And yeah, I really look forward to those things. The amount of people that we met this year, uh, the ancillary characters that came through and just were here as fans. 
um, the worlds and fandoms that we touched. It's uh, it's really been incredible, you know. That's the hardest part of of the off season is it's sensory overload for six months and like unbelievable happenings for six months right in front of your face, and then you're kind of void of that, you know. I always say it's while. like a, being in, in a semi successful band and coming off tour. Totally, totally. You know, what yes. you do is cool. People think you're cool. Uh, you get to meet cool people. And then suddenly you're just home all the time. <laughs> no, I always tell Nance, we have friends like we do. We'll get back to them, I promise. Um, but yeah, honestly, we really, really love uh, doing this podcast. We really, really love running this drive-in. Um, and we really, really love the support that you guys give us on a regular basis. So we're going to continue doing this um, as long as you'll have us. And, uh, and then we'll keep doing it a little bit longer. Yeah, time. that's true. I will. Overstayed their welcome. Uh, but yeah, honestly, we love that this is an interactive uh, experience and you guys can get a hold of us. So don't be afraid to reach out to us through the email, through the social medias. Um, if you have an idea for something, do not be afraid to reach out or a connection to somebody. Don't be afraid to reach out. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's a good place. Eh, it's good. Well, we will get Jeff back here. I know a lot of you guys have been asking about Jeff. Uh, he is a busy man. He literally works um, nonstop uh, over at the radio station. And sometimes it is difficult to pull him in and pull him away. But uh, we promise we will get him back uh, often for the off season as our schedules open up a bit more. So um, on that note, Jeff, take it away, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for coming out tonight to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. We hope you'll come back and see us again real soon. The exit is on the right-hand side of the screen at the front of the field, and most importantly, have a very safe trip home. Good night, and God bless you.